You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Get out of here. Way back, hooks up. There's the cycle. You can put it on the board. Yes! A single, double, triple, and home run in one game. He has hit for the cycle. Well, 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 we are back. The cycle after a bit of a hiatus. A hiatus for no particular reason either. Just busy, traveling, different stuff going on. I will say this. Some things have happened in the last couple of days that have me as a White Sox fan very excited. Um, Tough to see Chris Sale go. Tough to see Adam Eaton go. Those are both guys that uh, were very nice to to us and... um, you know, Adam was on our podcast. Chris, I had met uh, many times. Good guys, and as I said, hard to see him go. But the team is going in a very specific direction now, and I know everyone is excited about it. I would be surprised if you aren't not excited about it. Uh, but they just went in two days from not having a very high-ranked farm system to being in the top ten. They p- picked up, I think, five of the top thirty-eight or three of the top 38 prospects in all of Major League Baseball. Uh, Mancata, Kopech, Giolito. It's going to be a very interesting next couple of seasons, to say the least. Um, but this season in particular is shaping up to be uh, this, the beginning of the rebuild. And um, it's exciting. So that's all we're going to say about that at this point because we're going to try and line up someone from the front office to talk more in depth about the moves and where the team is headed. Um, but again, I'm excited about it. I'm sure you guys are as well. I want to thank you for tuning in and I apologize that we have not been posting episodes. We're going to get back on track. Things just got a little bit crazy and, and something else that happened, Brad Boron, our producer won an Emmy and I'm very excited for Brad because he works really hard for the White Sox and uh, does a lot of great things, puts a lot of great, uh, content out there. I was actually hosting the Chicago Midwest Emmy Awards And Brad won an Emmy that night, and it was thrilling to say the least. So congratulations to Brad. Um, I'm going to now jump into our interview. We just wrapped up with Patrick Manley. We're out here at Zanies in Rosemont. Patrick came out. We had a great conversation. You guys remember him from the Chicago Bears. Had a 16-year career in the NFL, and just a really good dude. So I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. Make sure you are subscribing to The Cycle on iTunes. And follow me on Twitter, at McGannPat. Tweet us, tweet at us uh, at the White Sox. You can make some suggestions on uh, guests for the cycle, and I think that's about it. So enjoy this conversation with Patrick Manley, and thank you for listening. All right, well, this is a thrill. Joining us on the cycle is Patrick Manley. You guys know Patrick from the Chicago Bears. 16 years, Pat? 16. That's unbelievable. It is. What's been nice now, I've been out for three years. That Some people are like, oh, you played 17 or 18 years? I don't I don't correct them. I just, <laughs> right, yep, right. sure, sure, I played yeah. 17, 18. Let's go with that one. That sounds better. But 16 has got to be – is it a Bears record? It's a Bears record, yeah. I got lucky to find a position being a long snapper and be able to play a long time doing it. Yeah, that's phenomenal. So today, everyone else is doing their thing. Like, What would you be doing if you were a uh, – if you were still active on like a day like today. Playing-wise? Yeah. Uh, today is a Thursday, so Thursday is kind of one of your big work days. Wednesday, Thursday are your big work days. Uh, you have a full day of meetings, full day of uh, practice, but you get in around 8 o'clock. You have a 30-, 40-minute special teams meeting. Take a little break. You go into uh, your position meetings, whether you're an off- – I would go into offensive line meetings because I played offensive line in college, yeah. and for my first 13 years until I got kicked out, that might be another story I'll tell you later about Mike Tice, but – uh, you go into you out of the meetings? Kick, kick me out of meetings, yeah. I'll tell you after All this. Right, right. So we, we, we you have uh, meetings until about lunchtime. You have lunch, and then you go out in the practice field for two, two and a half hours. Then you take a little break, and then you're back into meetings reviewing the practice tape, and then you'll be out of there depending on some coaches start, like I said, 8 o'clock. Some coaches start their day at 7.30, some are 8, some are 8.30, so t- sometimes you'll be out of there anywhere between 4 and 5.30, 6 o'clock. So football is insane in terms of preparation. It is. In comparison to the other sports. I think so, and I think it's it's part of the problem is because of the coaches. Yeah. It's just a culture or fraternity, whatever you want to call it, that they try to outwork each other. 
and they make these game plans that are so thick and just so many pages of of notes and different plays you got to run from different schemes that other teams could run. And there's a lot of time uh, that us as players will call it uh, that the coaches are chasing ghosts. That's a, they'll you know you're watching tape or you're looking at the install of the plays. And, oh, they could run this, so be prepared for this. Yeah. And I'm like, well, they haven't run it in two years. Right, right. Well, you just need to be ready for that one play. Well, I'm like, well, if you just put in the basic rules of how to block a 3-4 or 4-3, it should cover it, and let's stop chasing ghosts and spending 30 minutes on one play. That it's a little possibly bit of overkill. Happen. No doubt. No and doubt. Is it, does that contribute to, like, mental fatigue for guys that are just, like, by the end of the week, they're just kind of – I think it does more for younger guys. As yeah. you get older, you kind of – understand what coaches are trying to do you've been in the system for a long time so you know what to expect you it's you don't have to study as hard but the younger guys coming from college or from another system um, they're not at that level yet so they're not ready to uh, ingest all that information and to take in what you need to take in it seems like the NFL and Major League Baseball too it, you don't you're not an impact player immediately even if you are one of the best yeah right mm-hmm so do you think that, like, what was, like, a misconception, or what is a misconception among regular people, non-professional athletes, that the career of a pro- professional athlete, like, stuff that you have to do? It's, you know, you hear people say being a pro, and it's doing the little things the right way, eating the right way, going to bed at the proper time. you got to think about a college kid that, you know, stay up at 2 to 3 at night, and they can recover quickly, and you know they're it's like studying being a or drinking or whatever. Yeah, exactly. You, know, exactly. you got <laughs> No, but you, that's how I talk to my you, kids. You truly, you, you have think. to grow up. You have yeah. to find a routine. You have to get a routine, um, and you can't be you can't be a kid anymore. You got to learn to be a pro, and you just got to do the right thing all the time. If you do that, then you can start stacking up. You know, week to week, more games you play, and then it becomes year to year to year. And the next thing you know, you got a ten year career. Who took you under their wing that um, I think influenced you? Oh, a lot? that's a good question. Uh, I would say Big Cat Williams was the biggest leader in the locker room when I first got there. Yeah. Um, and then I had a guy who I was drafted with, Olin Krutz, who was kind of wise beyond his years, and he was a guy that grew up quickly and understood how hard it took to work to be a pro. And there was nobody in the building that could outwork him. So every day you came to the building, he was either the first one there or he was already done with his lift for the day before, when you're walking in. Um one of the smartest football players we've ever been around. One of the most prepared football players we've ever been around. So I think he got everybody a lot the, out of what he was. Yeah, able to you were do. just yeah. trying to chase him every day because he was just a pro. I think he was seven or eight time Pro Bowler, but he did everything right all the time. Were these guys fun to hang out with? Like was Owen oh, like? <laughs> yes. Uh, so there's a. I think they're actually they're not doing it anymore. But there used to be a history. Uh, every every Thursday night we would have O line dinner during the season. Yeah. So like all the alignment, yeah, we'd go um, some sort of steakhouse local to Lake Forest. We'd go down the city every now and then, maybe during one of the bye weekends. And we'd go eat a whole lot and drink a, drink a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so those nights were a whole lot of fun. And then towards the end of my career, Reuben Brown was signed. I don't know if you remember him. He yeah. was a pro bowler from Buff- the Buffalo Bills. And it was just story time with Reuben Brown. He's really? one of those entertaining guys. He'd have his vodka soda over there in the corner. Yeah. And he would just talk, and everybody would just sit there and listen and laugh at everything he had to say. You talk about like what you guys have to eat. Do you have someone monitoring that? Like, are, are they pushing calories on you guys constantly? And, and and if so, like, what are they trying to get you to consume in a day? They do now. Um, when I first started, it wasn't monitored as much. Now, a lot of teams will have a specific person in the building, whether it's a dietitian, nutritionist, or whoever that does overlook the food that is served in the building, and then trying to uh, tells you what to eat, you know, outside of the building. But that's up to you. But when I first started, no, it was literally like trough food. You know, you just go into lunch and you'd have these bins of just stuff. And every day yeah. it kind of rotated. Is it good it, food? It, it was. It wasn't good for you. Let's put it that way. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was yeah. just bulk food to eat, and it was okay. And as the years went along, it got better and better and better. And then I can't remember what year the Bears expanded Hallis Hall, but they put in a full kitchen. I mean, it, there's not a better restaurant in Lake Forest than that place. Oh, really? Yeah. And then they've got a nutritionist now that runs that whole thing, and you've got – just every day it's top-notch food that yeah. you just can't beat and good for you they seem to have like changed it up a little bit like they the bears had a little bit of a reputation for maybe being cheap on the cheap yeah, yeah i would i would say it was that way i mean it, just the example of the food we had a guy that would come from off you know off site and bring these tins and just throw them down and we would eat that way and then the next year's uh they tried to do it a little bit better where they brought in a kitchen staff and opened up the smallest little kitchen down in the basement to try to feed you know 100 people a day and it didn't work well and then that's when they realized that 
All right, we've got to catch up with everybody yeah, else. The Philadelphia Eagles are building all these awesome buildings yeah. and all these people, and you got to catch up with everybody else. And you're signing free agents, been other places, oh, sure. coaches, been sure. under staffs. Yeah, like the coaches is, is a big one. They, there were a lot of coaches that would walk in and they'd be like, "This is our meeting room. This is this is what we've got to work with." Really? Yeah. And now it's it's you know state of the art. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about um, how you became a long snapper. You played college ball at Duke, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So. I started before then. I had a brother, or I have a brother. <laughs> uh, he's still alive. A little shout out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll give him one. Bernard, I was about Bernard to pour Hamlin. some out yeah. for him. Yeah. <laughs> he's still here. He's still he's, with us. He's good, still good. with us. Not yet. We don't need to pour it out yet. Uh, he played at Notre Dame from 1988 to 1992. Oh, yeah. And he's five years older. And after his freshman year, that was the year they won the national championship under Lou Holtz, he came back and wanted to get on the field sooner because there was all these high school Americans on the roster and he was gonna see it was gonna be a hard time to play and he's like i need to learn how to long snap because i guess their long snapper graduated so we were out in the front yard snapping the ball and it was something that my brother could do okay and then he's like here you try it and i was going into eighth grade and uh it was something that just came natural i've been really? over the front yards me and my dad and my brother and i snapped it and i remember looking at my dad and my brother and they were like holy you're pretty good at this yeah and then because of seeing my brother going through what he was i started to take pride in it so when i went out for the team the next year I'm like, I, I want to be the long snapper. And there was another kid named Bill Brightbill. We can pour one out for him. He's, well, he's still alive. <laughs> but we would compete but for you, the next year. But you killed his career. No, but yeah, I beat him out. And yeah, he was yeah. like, dang it. You know, he had done it before. And then it was something that came natural. And I had somebody to compete with all through high school that made me become better. And then I got a scholarship to college to go to Duke to play offensive line. And I played offensive line. And then my freshman year, uh, the guy Gil Winters, we're doing like, preseason warm-up drills and we did like a, he did a somersault and broke a little bone in his neck oh, not wow. paralyzed or anything but his career was done and that's part was, of the that's this, how yeah. far football's come you guys used to tumble <laughs> yeah we used to tumble preseason. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> cartwheels and all that good stuff too no but so he gets injured and i have to uh take up my red shirt year and, and be the long snapper that year so i started oh, long really? snapping my freshman year in so college. you thought you were going to be red shirt sure yeah i was small i was 235 40 pound offensive lineman i needed to put on 40 50 pounds yeah yeah Oh, that's hilarious! And you're a big dude. I mean, is your brother as tall as you? Yeah, he's like uh, he's um, bigger boned. He's not a fat guy, but just bigger boned. Were you guys athletes like throughout? Like you played every sport? Everything, everything. You name it, we played it. I mean, to tennis, to every, I played everything. Badminton? Uh, no, not professional. I mean, not not like not collegiately. You said you or name it. Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I've played it maybe in, in gym class. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> so you played hoops. Played hoops. Yeah, you guys could Loved put them it. down. Yeah, yeah. Because Loved I always hoops. find it interesting, like. But, like, you could go out and play baseball with your brother, mm-hmm. play basketball, or, like, your buddy. Like, I never had a brother, but, like, you know. But yeah. football. That's just wrestling. That's, yeah, that's right? wrestling in the house. And then he was five years older and bigger than I was, and he would always get in trouble because he would hurt me, and I was mama's little boy. And Oh, yeah. So Bernard, Bernard, what are you doing? Get up here. <laughs> I'd be crying in the corner. That's so then there was one day. he the, Finally, when he was done, he just wouldn't even – I could, you know, poke him, poke him, poke him, poke him finally, and – wake a sleeping bear and he'd wrestle me down and beat me up and one time he punched me uh i think he might have been i don't know how old he was but i went flying into the wall and put a hole in the wall and i saw his eyes how scared he was because he was a big strong dude yeah yeah and he's like all right i'm done messing with my brother yeah <laughs> and I, I was like i'm done messing with my brother i'm not, not no more poking him while he's laying there on the floor on sunday morning watching you get Connor him back TV. later in life oh, i don't know he got me back that's i i did enough poking him and waking him up at his naps oh yeah yeah he, i deserved every bit of it <laughs> You guys are from the Atlanta area. Mm-hmm, right. Yeah. How do you like, – is he still down there? He's still down there. Yeah, he's yeah. got three boys and married, and they're doing great. His oldest uh, is going – speaking of baseball, is going to pitch at Georgia Tech. No kidding. Uh, he's a lefty. He's a good Man, little lefty pitcher. genetics. I know. <laughs> and you married into genetics, too. Another lefty pitcher, Tommy John. How about that? His father-in-law, Tommy John. I'm yeah. just telling our producer here, Brad, because I don't know if he knew that. That's pretty – I think that's just hilarious. Yeah. What is he uh, – what's Tommy like? He's great. Uh, the, you know, the greatest thing we have in common is that we both like sports, so it's yeah. easy to just talk with him. Um, Does he still go by Tommy? He's getting up he there. Still goes by Tommy. Yeah, <laughs> like no, shouldn't it be Tom at this point? That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, his son is Tommy John the third, and I'm like, don't just go by Tom. Don't be <laughs> yeah. Tommy. Yeah, but he's still Tom. But he he's pitched for the White Sox. Yeah, he sure did. I yeah. think eight years. Yeah, and then he was dra- uh, traded to the LA Dodgers. Yeah. But what's amazing is he played 26 years, eight years for one place. That's a career for most people, right? Yeah, and his turnaround from that surgery was longer than what it is now. Yeah. But, you know, obviously the surgery is called that because he was the first mm-hmm. the first guy, right? Right. Dr. Uh, Frank Job did the surgery. 
I think it was 1974, and then he won more games post-surgery than he did before, and it was right in the middle of his career. So it's pretty amazing what he did, yeah. That's great. Is he still in contact with the White Sox? I don't even know if they... Uh, a little bit, but not a, whole bu- uh, not a whole bunch, but actually he was invited back, I want to say two years ago, to throw out the first pitch, but his arm is so broken down, his shoulder and everything, he can't get his arm above his head. He might need... Tommy John surgery again? No, it's his shoulder so bad. But what was cool is he. What, they mean, asked what him, did his shoulder? <laughs> the other Tommy John surgery. Right, yeah, they could name a second procedure right, after him. They could, but he got asked to come back and throw out the first pitch, but he couldn't do it, so he had my daughter do it. Oh yeah, so it's pretty cool to see my that daughter is throw cool. the first pitch. At, at, did uh, he come to Bears games? Sport. Did they come out a lot? They did. They yeah, did, yeah. That's that's very yeah. neat. Yeah. So st- let's talk about the long snapping thing. Is there like a trick to it? Is there something like? There's the one thing is like I said I was natural to it. Um, if I have a kid and say if you had a kid or you had a kid and you want to bring him over and I want to teach him how to long snap, I'll just throw him a ball and say, throw me the ball. Yeah. Like I want to see you throw it like a quarterback. If they can do that, then you can learn to long snap. Now the kids that I've seen that can't really throw a spiral over overhand, they're tough to work with. They're just, yeah. they don't have that natural ability of just picking up a ball and making a spiral. So when you're snapping it, are you using both hands? You're using you're both hands. One you have a dominant time. hand, whether you're right or left-handed, so you're throwing it like a quarterback with that hand. Then your other hand, I call it your guide hand. So it, it, it's, it's thrown like a quarterback or released like a quarterback. Let's put it that way. It's rolling off your index finger and your middle finger, yeah. whether it's your right, right or your lefty. And then it's the same for your left hand, but your left hand is kind of placed flat on the top side of the ball if it's laying on the ground. So it comes off your index finger and your middle finger of your right and left hand, but your right-handed or left-handed dominant will be the one that really throws How it far can it. you snap it with accuracy? Oh, um, when I was younger, uh, I could do like 30 yards. And the velocity matters too, right? You it does. It it is, that's it, but that's a, uh, a component that it drives me nuts. Is some people are teaching these kids to snap it too fast. If you snap yeah. it too fast, it's hard for the punter or the holder to catch it. So there's like an effective or efficient snap speed that you have to have to – have to figure it out. What was easier, snap to a holder or a punter? I thought the holder because it's eight, it's eight yards in the NFL, seven or seven yards in college or high school. But I had that was easier for me, just a shorter distance. And some guys they don't like it because you have to be too accurate with that. They just want to be able to throw it, you know, fourteen to fifteen yards back there and kind of hit a bigger target. But I thought the eight yard snap was a lot easier. In your sixteen year career, how many bad snaps? One. 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 Are you kidding me? No. That's insane. Yeah, it was, and it Which, drives me where nuts. was it? It was the home game against. Still drives you nuts. We're uh-huh. still pissed about it too, Pat. <laughs> I know exactly what you're about to say. We all know that one time. Yeah, that one time. It was that home game. You'll remember the game against San Francisco. We were wearing the orange jerseys in that big win game. Remember the game when Robbie kicked that field oh, goal yeah, and yeah, it yeah. went right into the stands? Yes. I messed up on a PAT. And if you to, to beat the wind, you have to throw a perfect spiral. And I threw a ball that just wobbled just a hair and it caught the wind and and took off to the left, and Brad Maynard went to go chase it, and then I think he got tackled by 11 guys. <laughs> really? <Yeah. laughs> Do you laugh about that at all on the sidelines? Uh, not during the game because I was ticked because I had a nice little run going. I was a little yeah. later in my – it was about half no, – was about 10 years in my career. So when you mess up for the first time, it's not fun. Because I always think about – like, knock on wood. They well, all, I don't have to knock on wood anymore. I don't have to snap anymore. They always say, <laughs> you know, the pressure's on the kicker. They're trying to freeze the kicker. Like, And I'm thinking, like, first of all, I would rank it holder, snapper, kicker. In terms of pressure, uh, kicker, holder, snapper, kicker's got the biggest one because they have the most variables they have to deal with. They have to deal with a good snap, with a good hold, with the wind. But they don't have to do those things. They have no. to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. But they have to make sure that we do our job. But we only have one job to do. The holder has to hold or catch it and hold it. He has yeah. two jobs. I have one job to do. But snap. the holder interacts with both people. Yes. Yeah. I don't know, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still the kicker, man. The kicker. Really? They're, they're the ones that are you know. Mentally so would challenged. you ever be nervous? No, when was somebody, the most nervous you know, it's you funny. Were. My daughter just asked me that. We were watching an NFL game. We were watching a game-winning kick, and she's 11. She'll be 11 now, and she looks at me, and she goes, Dad, did you ever get nervous? And I I guess nobody's really ever asked me that or yeah. nobody like that I really cared to answer. And uh, I looked at her, I go, no, I didn't. I, I kind of embraced the moment. Yeah. And then I would go, I want to sound stupid, but like the zen moment. You just kind of, I got, let's go do my job. No, it doesn't but sound I, stupid because that's part of being successful yeah, at it. Is your I, mental I embraced my too. job, and I just I wanted to do, I wanted to do well, and I enjoyed the process of trying to be perfect. Yeah. So I, I didn't get nervous. No, that I just, is I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Who was the first kicker that you uh, you worked with? Jeff Jager. No, oh yeah, Jeff Jager. It was uh, with the was Raiders that before for a long Edinger time, or right after. Yeah, before Edinger. Right. So, you, so you, 1998 was my first year. I think he. 
Yeah, okay. So he was there in 98. Let's go through the kickers. Oh, man. Jager. Well, let's see. There's so many that came in for like a week. Um, we'll go, through, go through the big names. Jager. Jager, Edinger, um, Chris Bonio. It was a bigger name who kicked for a little while. They got injured. And then it was Robbie, who well, I guess would be the four. But then we had like oh, Jarrett something. I don't know. I don't remember all and that. And then the punters, you had Maynard and. Uh, Maynard and Adam Podlish and uh, Todd yeah. Sauerbrunn. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah. And you guys stay in touch? Uh, not so much with South. Well, Facebook, you're in touch with everybody. Right. Uh, but Maynard is one that's. Uh, we played 10 years together, so we became real close. And then Adam Podlish and I are still good buddies. We played two or three years together. Okay. So who are you? Who like who are your best buddies um, through those sixteen years? Olin Cruz would be one because he started to play golf, and I played tons of golf, so we we've got yeah. to hang out a lot more that way. Um, and he lives locally, so we see each other quite a bit. Um, we gotta get him on a podcast. You should. Would he do something like this? Yeah, sure. Yeah. He's great. He's fun. Uh, a lot yeah. of fun. A lot more fun than me. No, <laughs> no, no come on. <laughs> um, and then Maynard and Podlish are probably the three. Those yeah, are the three. Yeah, three closest. Were there guys like in the NFL atmosphere in the locker room, and you know the guys that are completely unapproachable if they're ticked off after a loss? After, um, hmm, no, I, I would say no because I don't know why. We just had a pretty good locker room. Yeah, nobody was a big you know butthead. They just they were pretty cool, and it, it all started. The lovey years would probably be the biggest they chunk would, of your career, right? Yeah, oh yeah, big and, time. And what about but his Erlacher, Erlacher set that culture that way. Yeah. That just, you know, you couldn't be bigger than him or you couldn't act, you know, like a superstar because he is the superstar. Nobody's bigger than him in the locker room. And he was a good leader. No, he was a great leader. But that's the thing is he never – he was a guy that if he had a bad game or he lost, you know, you shake it off in 20 minutes and then you're good to go. Yeah. But nobody carried it out there. Um, you know, I, I take that back. Brandon Marshall a little bit would be a little, uh, you know, moody. Yeah. But he was moody all the time. Do you think Lovey got a bad rap by the media? 100%. I yeah. do. I think, you know, it's it, it stems back to, like, Mike Dicka. The city loves Mike Dicka. They loved his personality. They loved his press conferences, and that's just not Lovey. Um, Lovey was a guy that just was straight-lined all the time. And if he just did a little tick up or a tick down, you knew whether he was happy or sad. But uh, he was easy to read for us because we were with him every day, and he was so consistent. It just seemed like he had the locker room. He had oh, everybody respect loved him. for every everybody, everybody, and he just treated you like a man. He talked about that a lot. But if you screwed up, and I, I screwed up. Other people screwed up. You would just get called to his office, and you'd sit across from him, and he would talk to you like a man. He wouldn't scream at you. Uh, he was just a, a well respected man throughout the entire building of, by everybody, but players especially. Yeah, yeah he what was a, a great guy. What about the? Um the Jay Cutler issue. And I don't want to put you on the spot. We're not no, here to like bash the Bears or anything. No, it's you know, if if I'll start from the end of his career, I think it's time for him to go for the Bears. I mean, he's given what he's given, what it's been 8 years, 500 record. It is what it is. I don't think it's going to get any better. So I think it's time to clean uh, clean house and and try something different. And then as far as the leadership stuff, uh he's not the greatest leader. You know, I played a lot of my career with him and I played with some other great leaders. He's just a guy that's um he needs other leadership around him. He can't be the the leader of the team. That's just not him. That's just yeah. not his makeup, and it's not his fault. And he is a leader in some regard, but is he's not sort a of huge his fault. Sort well, of? I think <laughs> it's kidding. his makeup. No, but it's his makeup. A <laughs> yeah, little yeah, bit. It's yeah. Just who yeah, he is. Who he is. Maybe yeah. the way he's raised or whatever. But it's just kind of who he is. Is he a guy that you? Hey, Jay, let's go grab a beer. Yeah. Oh yeah, he'll yeah. do that. Sure. I've gone out with him numerous times and done that. But it's just that's just who he is and. Uh, Phil Emery was kind of at fault of stripping the team of everybody else, of ev- all the other leaders, and giving Jay the team. Yeah, and Jay's just not the guy to take it over. You know, Chicago is great of uh, about you know comparing all these franchises because that's just what we do, mm-hmm. and really one sure. doesn't have anything to do with the other. <laughs> but everyone now is like, you know, they talk about the McCaskies, like they talk about the Wurtz or the yeah. Cubs. Like, yeah. is there something there that you think about? Um, I don't think it's the McCaskies. I think it's uh, it could be other people in the building. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I guess I would be calling him out, but the guy would be Ted Phillips. I love the man. I like the man. He's been great to me. But if you look at one constant throughout everything besides the McCaskies, he he would be the one. Yeah. And the last few years, once since they hired Ryan Pace, they said they've changed the structure, where he's still the president, but he's not in charge of the football stuff. Well, if that's true, then I'm good with that. Give it to Ryan Pace. Let them. But if you're president of the football team, but but you're not allowed to touch football stuff. I, I, it's weird. It doesn't make sense. I don't get it. He's still gonna he's still gonna meddle in it. He has yeah, to. Yeah, it's right, his right. title. But um, 
that's the only thing that's been constant in within the Bears organization. That you yeah, know, he's the common denominator. Yeah, he's the only one besides McCaskey. Yeah. So if you if you want to look at somebody else besides McCaskey, you could look at him. I think that you get a lot of credit for being not anything but honest. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even call it critical. Just being honest, yeah. and that kind of landed you a gig on talk radio in Chicago, which you did for a little bit. Yeah, and you were a natural at, and everyone enjoyed you on there. Uh, talk about that, and and then why you <laughs> decided to kind of yeah, that was switch gears. That was you know you get close to retirement, um, to getting up there in age, and Greg Miller, who works for the Bears, and their not PR department, their media department, uh, asked me to work with Zach Zaidman during the Bears All Access Show that's on Thursday nights on six seven before like your this last is while year, I'm playing my last two your years last year. And so when you are about to retire, I want to talk about that. When you do retire, mm-hmm. is there is that a moment? Is there something that you go through the building, you say bye to everybody, and they give you a present? And <laughs> you get, no, it uh, was uh, – mine was because I was not under contract. Yeah. Phil Emery was great to me. He said, all right, I had to get hip surgery at the end of my contract, which was 2013. And he said, go get hip surgery. If you can come back and you're healthy, then we'd love to have you back for another year. So it was awesome to have that on the table. I went out to San Diego to try to rehab, worked my butt off, got to about – Oh, mid-May, and I'm like, uh, I, this isn't healing up. I'm getting old, and this isn't working right. So then I really started thinking, you know, this, this might be time to hang it up, and it was about June 1st when I was like, I'm done. Just pain? Pain, and I just couldn't do – I couldn't play to the level that I was accustomed to playing, and it drove me nuts. Yeah, And it was like 16 years, you're done. Yeah, I'm like, about I'm 39 that. years old. Um, but, no, I didn't get to go back in the building and say goodbye to everybody because I wasn't under contract. But, so they they really are like sticklers about that. Well, you like, can go in now. I mean, I can call up. Hey, can I get in? But yeah, you know, they have big security thing. You got a deal to get in, get through. But um, it's just it's it's another team. It's another era. It's different. You know, it's moved on. You're not part of that team. It's it's those, it's those 53 guys. Right. But it's tough when you leave. You know, the equipment manager, the trainers, all those guys are your buddies too. Sure. Yeah. But there's no like you know parade walking down the hallway shaking yeah, yeah. hands or anything like that. All no. right. Well, that's how I picture it. No. Is it okay yeah. if I still? I want to romanticize sure. the moment a little bit. All right, so then you, you you work with Zach. I did work with Zach. I do it for two years, and I guess through six seven the score. Mitch Rosen is the uh, producer there, the the main guy, and um, he's a South Sider. Mitch Rosen, yeah, he sure is. Yeah, he know. sure is. Um, and Dan McNeil's contract was up, and they were looking for a spot to fill for the McNeil and Spiegel show. Yeah. And I heard my name was you know on the list, probably five or six down on the list, and all these all these other guys kept saying no, 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 no. So I met with Mitch Rosen. He's like, would you want to do it? And my wife and I were, when I retired, we were like, like, let's go live somewhere for six months. Let's just get out of here. Let's go do something. And this opportunity came around, and my wife's like, um, I guess we're not going to be going to live somewhere for six months. <laughs> Where like, we were you thinking gone? like Australia. Really? Seriously. Oh, yeah, we were looking yeah. like some like beach town in Australia, some little sleepy town. and That would be just awesome. Just doing something completely different and getting out, get, you know, getting out of here. But that opportunity came, and I'm like, I can't turn this down. I mean, I, I listen to sports talk radio, and I'm a, I'm a fan of you know all the stations, and to be able to have a seat in, in the Chicago media like that was just an opportunity I couldn't say no to, and I, I got in there doing it. And um, football season was rough because the Bears were terrible, and, and it was tough talking about my old teammates. Yeah, you still know that, right? And then did you get any? Did you get I, any crap from? I did a little bit. There were some people that said uh, some things that you know maybe you shouldn't be saying that about your former team, and that was came from the, some people in the Bears. And I'm like, well, I'm just being honest. Yeah, I'm not cutting you down. I'm just telling you my opinion of what. I guess it's cutting him down, but it wasn't. You know, no, like, I mean, oh, you're terrible at this. I was just kind of giving the listener some insight. And was there a my particular thoughts. player that? that uh, was- no, it wasn't a player. It was other people in the building. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then I got going on that and sitting in that seat and talking every day, every day, every day. And then I saw the Cubs and Sox coming up. And I played baseball. I love baseball. Um, I like the Bulls. And uh, I just, I was like, I, I don't have the passion for this. Bulls or basketball? <laughs> yeah, what did I say? <laughs> I know, I know. And, and I love the Bulls and basketball. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I love it's baseball. Ball. I yeah. love the Bulls. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, oh, we got to let this guy go. Baseball, <laughs> Cubs, Sox. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's not going to be good in these other sports. But that's that's what I saw is the other sports, and I didn't have the passion. Like, sitting next to Matt Spiegel and the producers I had, they have passion every day for that. Sure. Thing. And I was like, uh, I can't bring it like this for all these other sports. Yeah, it's got to be mundane. Yeah, and you've got to love that. Because if you don't, then the listeners are going to hear it. Right. And it's not going to make for a good show. And I didn't feel like it was fair to Mitch and the guys I was working with to be that guy sitting there just going through the motions. And I looked myself in the mirror. I said, I'm done. I'm done. And I was on a – it was funny. I was on a Disney cruise with my wife and daughter during uh, Christmas break. And she looks at me, and I'm sitting outside in, like, a little patio drinking a beer. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I'm done. She's like, what do you mean? I go, quitting the radio show. She's like, what? 
Really? Yeah. And I'm like, okay. She's like, I, I thought something was going on. I'm like, yep, I'm done. And then like, then after that, she's like, you're like a different guy. And I'm like, yeah, I just yeah, I'm on a Disney cruise. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's me and Minnie. <laughs> Actually, I like the princesses. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> you have one daughter. One daughter. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And how old is she? She'll be 11 Christmas Eve. Okay. Well, that's yeah. nice. Yeah, like, such a great career, long career, and now you can hang with her. Yeah. Yeah. She's been a blast. Man, that's that's great, man. Yeah, she's a good girl. So how long did you do the radio then? I'll tell yeah, well, I think it was a little over six months I made it, and then I quit. Did you leave the door open for um, like fill-in work? Or I did, did you- yeah. I still do some of that, and then I still work for 670 School. I'll do their pregame for the Bears games with Hub Arkish and Dan Pompey. Um, and then I'm dabbling, I guess, in TV now with hosting a TV show called The Chicago Huddle. Yeah. That is on uh, Sunday mornings at 1030 on Comcast Sportsnet, where I'll interview a Bears player, a current Bears player. It's a little 30-minute show. We're at the local chili. Anthony Adams is in that too, right? No, he does the one through the Bears. Oh, okay. this used to be um, Dan Jiggett used to host it. Okay, yeah, it's yeah. A little, it's a local Chili's in Vernon Hills, just down the street from Hallis Hall. That's where you guys shoot it. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice and easy. That's Seven perfect. minutes from door to door for me, so it's nice yeah. and easy. Yeah, get some Southwest egg rolls out of that deal. Yeah, bingo. You <laughs> that's can't my favorite. Oh, right to go every time. Best item on Chili's menu. One hundred egg rolls. No you're, doubt you're about with it. me on this. Yes. You're not kidding around. I had my daughter just having the other week for the first time. <laughs> yeah, and the look in her eyes. I said, "See, I told you." <laughs> my wife and her both. Yep, yep. So every the time sauce. I go, yeah. Oh, this yeah, this is perfect. Just just dip a little. Oh man, I can I'm hungry some right now. Is there a Chili's near here? <laughs> I don't know if there is. <laughs> we got everything else out here. We're at Zanies in Rosemont. We don't even think we announced that. You guys We're, got some new buildings around here. I mean, not new buildings. New. Uh, yeah, it's like this whole fake town they built yeah this but no just there's uh the uh what's the old country bar is not there anymore how long is that oh yeah gone? toby keith's yeah. gone now okay. it's bub city oh yeah and That's um better. joe's they went oh, in on nice it. yeah it's oh, a nice. uh split deal so they have like live bands there yeah. and um yeah so th- this was going to be the casino out here mm-hmm. and then rosemont didn't get the casino yeah but they had already built the parking garage they're pretty it's nice out here yeah it is it's nice good yeah. stuff. um all right so when you're at duke how was the the basketball program when you were there? Actually, they were bad. They were? Well, huh? no, I'll take that back. My freshman year, they lost to Arkansas. Uh, Grant Hill was still there. And then I think they lost in the semifinals. And then after that, they kind of went down. Uh, 1994 was the year that um, Coach, oh, K Coach K, K got took hurt. The, yeah. yeah, took the year off. So they were like 13 and 18 or something like that. Uh, so we had the big names were Steve Wojciechowski. You might, I would say, I know Steve. Oh, yeah. Are you I guys buddies? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I've had a lot of beers with Steve. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. He's doing good up in Marquette. He is, yeah. And then like Jeff Cable. So my college roommate oh. and Steve are like best friends. Oh, is that they right? Grew up together. Yeah. He's a good man. He is a good guy. Yeah, I got some stories about him. Maybe I can tell you off the podcast. All right, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I want to hear him. I want. T- I'll yeah, text him. Yeah. Sure. Um, but yeah, they just they weren't as good as as they'd been in the past. They weren't always fighting for the national championship. They were always lo- Trajan Langdon. Chris they they Collins came in right when I was leaving. Well, Chris Collins was there, and the Trajan Langdon. They were yeah. they were coming in when I was leaving. Shane Battier was coming in when I was leaving. Right. Yeah. That's when they started mm-hmm. to turn it yeah. back, turn it back around. So they were losing in the Sweet Sixteen every year. It's not like a bad, but compared to what they were in the. Did you meet Coach happened. K ever? Uh, yes, and that's the. At Duke, the facilities used to be terrible, so we had one weight room where all twenty six varsity fo- uh, sports would share the weight room. Wow. And he'd always be in there working out, and you know, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Whatever. Yeah. But not a sit down or anything like okay. that. But he was he was always around. Who's one of who's a coach or a mentor, um, and maybe not a player, but mm-hmm. someone that has given you solid advice, life advice, professional advice, someone that you really admired and then got to meet. Um, I mean, this is gonna. It's my high school basketball coach. Yeah, um, he's the guy that we were a pretty good team. We were like an all-white, overachieving basketball team. And we'd go to the state Sounds semifinals. overachieving. Just yeah, for the just first. because we're all white. <laughs> uh, we're all like six foot. We were. It's funny. We were all six foot five white dudes at uh, Catholic school that could just shoot. So we ran that like five out Kentucky offense, just chucking the ball. But the reason why we were so good is because the coach was so good. We would get in high school. You know, you'd maybe get a one page pamphlet of what the team might do or who they yeah. start. We would get twenty twenty five page pamphlet. He would scout their last four or five games, so we knew everything they were going to do on the floor. But watching him prepare and have uh, him getting the most out of us, I've never had a coach like that at any other level. So I always looked at him and compared all my coaches to Ron Bell, and nobody could ever live up to him. And then just to see how hard he worked, uh, that'd be awesome. Know, it's hard to, to chase. It's hard. It's hard to chase that guy. It'd be great to say to like an NFL head coach. Yeah, <laughs> say to Bill Belichick. Yeah, <laughs> my high school <laughs> basketball coach. coach yeah, sure, was yeah. better than you. It, I wrote him a nice letter, uh, Ron Bell, my high school basketball coach, telling him that, and he was like, wait, what? I'm like, I'm telling you. And I've had, you know, 
I can't say hundreds of coaches, but a lot of coaches. Yeah. And there's nobody's been as good as he is. The uh, Bears Packer Packers rivalry mm-hmm. is that real? Do you guys hate them? No, you can't hate them anymore because there's too many TV cameras and the fines are too big. Yeah. So all the stuff you saw in the 80s and 70s, you could do that. You could do that underneath the pile. You could punch them, poke them, whatever. You can't do it anymore. That doesn't happen at all. Uh, it does well, not as much as it used to. As I, as again, as I continued playing from '98 till 2013, there were more camera angles. The fines got bigger. Yeah. So it there was a little bit uh, earlier in my career, but as it got going, um, no, because you would get a big you call it a FedEx letter. You know, you get a letter from the NFL office and FedEx, and there'd be a couple zeros behind a one or two or something, and you didn't want to pay that. Were there moments though, when you, as an NFL player, that you're like, God, this game is violent. This is brutal game. Um. Yes, the Johnny Knox when he broke his back. Yeah. Um, and then there were a lot of Mike Brown hits that were just wicked. I think his name was Marcus Pollard, the uh, tight end for the Detroit Lions. There was a hit towards our sideline that I thought he killed him. And it was a straight up just, you know, running into each other. And I, Mike Brown ran him over. And this is a big six foot six, 60, uh, 260 pound guy. And I, that's a shot or a hit that I just remember that's, that was like almost disgusting what he did to him. Really? Yeah. Mike Brown was so good. Yes. Couldn't stay healthy. No. Had bad luck. No. He was so good. And he just made huge plays at big moments. Very smart. Knew where to be. I mean, those two back-to-back interceptions against the 49ers and Cleveland Browns we won in yeah, overtime. Browns, yeah. um, he just the guy that, you know, he, he had the speed to be there and he had the mind to know where to be, and that's why he was so good. What about the Super Bowl year? Mm. Uh, special year. Just it made me become a firm believer in um, – Having a great team, team, yeah. your locker room, it's that that important because that that we weren't the most talented team in the NFC. We were good, but uh, as the season went along, we got um, closer and more belief and practices. We worked harder, and it all started with the uh, camaraderie in that locker room. What would have made a bigger difference, Tommy Harris being healthy or Kyle Mike Orton? Brown? Kyle Orton, or, yeah, Mike Brown, because. Uh, he was out and Tommy Harris were out, and we were still the number one defense, and they were out for the playoffs. Uh, Daniel Manning was a rookie that year, and it was third and ten. And third and ten, Lovey Smith, you run cover two. You leave the two safeties back. Third and ten, he comes down in the box. Peyton Manning sees it, hits Reggie Wayne for that big touchdown that kind of changed the, uh, the feeling of the game. Yeah. That, that would have been the biggest one. But I, I would think him and then uh, – Should you Rex have been the quarterback? Yeah, yeah, he got us there. Yeah, I just we were upset as players when Ron Turner started to um, throw the ball. I mean, the, the rain. I've never played a game that was that wet and that rainy. Uh, he's not Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, he can handle any you know element, but he started to throw the ball, and I think we're one of the only Super Bowl teams in history to lose the Super Bowl with a hundred yard rusher. And no I just yeah, so we were you know we were just shocked. I know all the O linemen were shocked when he started throwing the ball in the rain, and it just didn't make sense. Was that Thomas Jones? Thomas Jones and then Cedric Benson. He went. Cedric Benson went out early with an MCL sprain, but it was Thomas Jones with a hundred yard, yeah, hundred yard rusher. Wow, so the weather does make a make a huge difference, huh? I mean, that was just a nasty game. It was, and it just. Um, and I felt like the Hester return was as great as it was. It's kind of a kiss of death. <laughs> I know this is a Sox podcast, but I started thinking about the Cubs when uh, Dexter Fowler hit that home run. Yeah, I was like, "That's the Hester problem." Uh oh, right, right, lose yeah, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. Lose now, yeah. Too bad it wasn't. Uh, no, we thought the no, opposite. Kidding. We're like, <laughs> yeah, right. But we're like, no, we just we got spotted seven points. Yeah, we got spotted seven points on Peyton Manning in that offense. We're even win that this game. Thing. You're not nervous. No, no. It was again. You just embrace the moment. It was awesome. Were there it was like? Fun. Were you just in awe? Like, did you meet any famous people that week? Or <laughs> So after the game, yeah, after the game, uh, you know, you're upset. It's raining, still raining. I walk out of the tunnel. and the Still bo- raining. That was like the movie Seven. Yeah. It that did, Super it Bowl just, was yeah, just like just incessant. Oh, man. So I'm walking out the back of uh, Joe Robbie Stadium. I don't know what it was called back then. I still call it Joe Robbie Stadium, Miami Stadium. And my head's down. I've got my backpack on. You know, you got your suit on you're wearing uh, to the game. And the buses are – a little bit of a walk, and you got to walk through the rain. My head's down, and this person walks up next to me, and they have the umbrella, and they're like, hey, do you uh, you want to get under here? I'll walk you to the bus. I'm like, yeah, sure, let's go. So we start walking. The person starts talking to me. I'm like, man, this voice sounds really familiar. I look over. Double take is Demi Moore. Okay. Demi Moore. <laughs> Demi Moore walks you to walks the bus. Walks me, and I turn around, and I'm like, there's Ashton Kutcher. There's Bruce Willis, and there's their two daughters. 
<laughs> this is so. This is the most dysfunctional family ever. <laughs> right, that too. But but I'm like, now this is the Super Bowl of all yeah. things. You get Demi Moore walking you to the bus, and she's gorgeous. Yeah, gorgeous. And I was like, God, that voice, and just look over. I'm like, Oh, that's Demi funny. Moore? Yeah. Do you even acknowledge? Like, or are you just bummed out? I tried to. Act you cool. just go to the. I tried to yeah. Act cool. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Like, you're all cool. bummed out. You lost yeah. the Super Bowl, but you're like, Demi Moore. Yeah, and then Bruce Willis is back there. Like, what are you hitting on him too, or something? I'm like, Oh yeah, right. It was just funny. It was just it was a cool interaction with all of them. Um, and then from that, actually, I guess became friendly with Ashton Kutcher because he was a huge yeah. Bears fan. And oh, right, right. and uh, was at a party at Urlacher's, and he was there. And um, all right, talk about that. Like, I want to hear about a party <laughs> at Urlacher's. What are you talking about? He's got a house. He where, has a house. This at? Where's this party uh, at? Down the street from House Hall, I guess, Matawa, Metawa, however you say it. Um, he's got, still like, has a house? He still has a house there. He lives what do you there think about his hair now? It's odd. Yeah, come on, right? You gotta it's get, odd. Get I mean, when you talk it. to him, because we've seen him bald. The first time I saw him with it, all I did is I stared at his hair while I talked to him. I didn't look him in the eye. I didn't look at his face. I just yeah. stared at his hair. Does he acknowledge you? Like, come oh, on. he has a good time with it. Yeah, oh, he has he a good time with it. But I think he's. But got, isn't bald? He looked good bald. I, That's part of his thing. Sure, I think so. He got remarried. You know, the power of women, man. Sometimes, it, really, yeah. So maybe it was her. I don't know. I'm just guessing. All okay. right, all right. Yeah, so let's take us to this party. Oh, this party. So this party was for. Um, let me put it. Uh, a friend of Brian's wife's 40th birthday, so he uses his house. They're good friends, and he's got like a it's like a kids' playland out there, man. He's got uh, one golf green that has like three, you know, three tee boxes to get oh, to, yeah. so you can play golf there. He has a sports court. Uh, he used to have like llamas and all these different animals in a, in a barn. He had llamas. La- yeah, it was it was just like a kids' play. It was like an adult kid playground, but yeah. he's got all this land it's like in the back of the woods. House. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Without the other stuff. <laughs> um. But so he kind of borrows Brian's house when Brian's got all this land, and he brings in, I forgot what country band it was. So all these people are there, hundreds of people are there, and um, he has a VIP room, and it's in Brian's, like, uh, side room. He has a game room with all these fun games or whatever. So we're sitting in there hanging out, and there's a few of us. And the next thing I know, I look over, and I was like, oh, there's Ashton Kutcher. Really? And all the ladies are like, oh, he is handsome. So yeah. he's hanging out, and they're having a good time, and they start playing cards. And the next thing you know, you start seeing – some stacks of money being thrown on the table. Yeah. I'm not a card guy, so I just sat there and watched and enjoyed it. But, um, yeah, that, that's the party at Brian's house, and it was fun. I mean, you got whoever it was, the guy uh, had a live band. You got llamas on one side. You got a golf course on the other. And then all of a sudden, you know, Ashton Kutcher come walk. But it's not like, you know, people with masks, like eyes wide shut stuff. Like No, 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 no. no. This is just normal. <laughs> it was like a country, a country uh, it was a country themed birthday party. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. What is something that you, like, as a, you know, as a professional athlete, you made some money, like something that maybe you spent money on that you're like, all right, maybe I, you know. Should have or shouldn't have? Or, shouldn't have or, you know. My wife, would say, extreme, my wife like, would say my El Camino. I bought an El Camino. I don't oh, know yeah? why I'm an El Camino fan. <laughs> um, do you drive I, it a lot? I do, yeah. I just store it now that the snow's coming out. Um, that's probably it. The other thing is I just spend a whole lot of money on golf. I got a golf problem. Do you? I went to Ireland last year with uh, seven other buddies. and That's great. We blew it out and did it right. Um, but golf is my problem. Yeah. yeah. I try to go wherever I can to golf. What's your handicap? Three or four. Really? Four, yeah. Oh, that's fun, man. Yeah. Who are some of the bigger names you play with? Oh, man. Um, you play with Jordan? No. I, I, he used to, I used to be a member at Glen Flora Country Club, which is up in Waukegan, and Jordan was there for a while because they had a big gambling, big contention of gambling guys up there, and they would yeah. always ask me to play, but I I don't like to lose money. Yeah. And I heard if you're playing him, you're always going to lose money. Yeah. And they say if you play him, he'll he'll play you for anything. Like You can play a dollar a point in the scotch game or whatever you want to play. Well, but I know me, and I know see Jordan and El Camino a couple of days later. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just like, but he, you know, I just didn't want to do it because I know my competitive nature, and I, I would have, you know, pressed the points to five dollars and all that stuff, and I didn't want to come home and be like, yeah, I lost a couple grand. You know, yeah, I didn't want to do that. So I played with Tony Kukoc. He was a member there. Um, Is he good? He's very, very good. Yeah, he? he's like a one or scratch or two or something. He's very, very good. He's he, when he hits a golf ball, he plays lefty, just like he shoots. But his golf swing, his follow through, looks like he's shooting. Remember when he always shoot? He yeah, right. Looks like he's falling yep. away. Yep. Same thing in his golf swing. Really? Great touch, good putter, good short game. That's so funny. Like, some of you guys are just, you're good at everything. It's, I, I don't know. Do you guys, you're good at talking. You talk trash out there? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So you're playing with the you're playing with Tony. I'll call him the waiter. The waiter? Yeah. You, the, him, yeah. you guys are talking smack. Yeah, but another funny thing about that is you would hear, 
when Jordan would show up, Tony would always play in those games. And when if you played with Tony, just me and you, he would talk and he's alpha dog. But as soon as Jordan showed up, oh, I bet. Oh yeah, he was like a little puppy. Whatever. Yeah. What are we doing, Mr. Jordan? What are we doing? What are we right. Doing? Yeah. 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 That's hilarious. But that's you know that's alpha dog. That's yeah. that's Michael Jordan. Man, that was a that was a hell of a time here. But were you a, a Chicago like? sports fan at all before you came here or you just you loved all the Atlanta teams right no um I did but I didn't the the Atlanta Falcons were terrible when I was growing up and I was born in uh 75 so in 85 when the Bears came along I was 10 years old I became a Bears fan and a 49ers fan were my two teams I love Joe Montana and I love the 85 Bears so since that team I always followed the Bears and got lucky to be here um how about that part of it is my dad and my great-grandfather are from Chicago Okay. So we have Chicago roots and ties. So That's I, how you're still here then probably, huh? I, I, I just love the city. I love the people. And you're here year-round. Yeah. I mean, it's – Well, I try to get out of town as much as I can, you know, when the snow's on the ground. But yeah. that's the good. that was the good thing about playing football for the schedule is you play up until the snow comes down and then, you know. But what about your daughter, like school-wise? Is that hard to do? We'll do that, yeah. But um, we'll try to, you know, do it around her vacation time. Yeah. Sneak in a couple days on the front end or back end of the vacation yeah, yeah. stuff. But That's she's great. a smart kid, so it's not hurting her yeah, right. academically, so she's all right. That's Takes great. after her mom. And maybe she'll play in the uh you know, she'll play a professional sport herself. Now she's a musician, man. She oh, loves she the guitar really? and loves acting, loves being on stage. First time she was ever on stage, she was like a little star in the uh a starfish and, and um the Little Mermaid. Oh yeah. She cried when it was over because she had to get off the stage. She's like, "I want to be on stage forever." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, all right, that's what you are. But she's played basketball and all other sports, and she's she's athletic. But she's the kid that you know about five minutes outside after dribbling a ball and shooting a ball. Dad, I'm done. I want to go inside. Yeah. Like, okay. Do you have a hoop at the house? No, I no. was waiting. I was going to. My wife's like, "Wait, wait, wait," and then you know after. 20 times of five minute little practices out there is no need to get it right, right my neighbor has one i'll borrow his but yeah i wanted one just to shoot on it but you got famous she, neighbors i do frank thomas you heard of him yeah yeah, yeah. he's been on our podcast <laughs> has he really yeah <laughs> he's a hall of famer yes he is. played for the white First sox time. yeah yeah how about the white sox you can't help but the the buzz this week pretty cool right i like it i don't know i mean i, I would say go you're back, more of a fan probably go back and talk about this in the intro of the podcast mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a definite fan of this move, this direction, because it's it's clear-cut. It's yes. like this is what we're doing. Yeah. Somebody, I think it was on the score, Lawrence Holmes or somebody brought up a list of names of, like, stopgap guys that yeah. they've brought in that are not even in, in, in playing Major League Baseball in the last three years that they brought in. They're not even on a roster anywhere. Yeah. That that's, right. It just didn't seem like it was the, you know, they're bringing these guys in. I'm like, who are they? They had one good year back in 07 or 08 and yep. trying to, you know, Strike them up again, but it didn't work out. But this is the best way to do it. We saw it happen with the Cubs. You've seen it happen with the Braves before, and the Braves are trying to do it again. Right. Um, Kansas City and Royals. And it works. The Kansas City it, Royals, it, sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be uh, – it's funny. I saw a tweet just before we started talking. Uh, you need to bring in a veteran that can show these prospects how to be a professional. Mm-hmm. And like, and they had a picture of Juan Uribe. <laughs> they got to bring Juan Uribe back. I mean, he's like the biggest character yeah, ever. Yes, it would be so awesome. Oh, man. Uh, do you have a uh, favorite baseball player that growing up? Dale Murphy. Yeah. Bar none was my – He was a catcher, right? Started out as a catcher and they, and they moved, moved the outfield, yeah. So the funny story, when I was finishing up the radio show on The Score, they asked me, what athlete would you like me to get on you can interview him? Really? I was like, Dale Murphy. No so kidding. my last show there, they got Dale Murphy on. I got to talk to him for 15 minutes. Is he a good interview? He was awesome. And And when I got done – Everybody looked at me, and they're like, you look like you were 10 years old talking to him because I was so excited. <laughs> What's he getting... doing now? I mean, he was so good, but the Braves were so bad so bad, then, yeah. But he, he did he get in the so hall, good. right? Uh, no, he's not. He's one of those guys. He's kind of like my father-in-law, Tommy John, that's just shy. Dale Murphy's not in the Hall no, of Fame. exactly. Those are names to me, like Tommy John, Dale Murphy. I, I don't know any other ones, but you, Harold you hear Baines. the Harold Baines. You, you're like, oh, Hall of Famer, right? No. Nope. Tim Raines. Yeah. We'll probably go in this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought Dale Murphy got in. No. But he was, you know, a great career. I think two or three time uh, league MVP. How many games did Tommy John win? Two hundred and eighty eight. That's the problem. Just but a come short. on, no one's going to win three hundred again for a long no, time. No, but I, and, and also I think the way they use what he pens. did for the game as well with yeah. the surgery. I know the doctor did the surgery, but people don't realize the rehab that guys. Do oh, he didn't now, do it himself. He didn't just. It was cut well, up with no, his arm. No, and, no, no. Oh, I thought <laughs> that that's why they named cool. it after him. <laughs> <laughs> well, people now are like, "Oh, you're a doctor," because they think you know Tommy John surgery. <laughs> yeah, right, right. He's like, no, I was a baseball player. Like, does he oh, love it? Yeah, he does. He does. He heats it up. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's 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 good for baseball. He loves it though, man. He loves it. The but what? he's he's the guy though that all the rehab they do. Yeah, he did it all. Sure, they still do about seventy five percent of the stuff that he came up with. 
because it was like like life or death for him. He's like, either I'm going to go climb um, telephone poles and hang wire like my my grandfather, or right. I'm going to play baseball. Does you know he right? talk about the hall? Yeah, yeah. And he'd love to be in. Yeah, yeah I think so, you know. And it's all it's too late. I think he has to wait for the veterans committee now. So What's he up to now? He lives in Palm Springs and plays a lot of golf. Does he? Yeah, it's got oh, a lot you of, guys are. Yeah, that's that's the other thing we got in common. We can talk about that all day long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, Patrick, I really appreciate you joining us, man. And um, I know you're just so beloved to use that word as as the Bears are, but no, you really are. Like 16 years as a Chicago Bear, and the fans just absolutely love you. I mean, it's a great crazy city, about it. It's yeah. a great city. It's yeah. just uh, what I say is when you lose, they get on you, but when they win or when you win, they love you twice as much. Yeah. And that's what's great about the city. So you see yourself staying here? I do, yeah. It's yeah. home. Well, we got to get you out to some Sox games this yeah, year. Please, love to. And we'll bring Tommy John back, too. I really yeah. think that we got to get him back in the fold. We'll maybe have him call Brooks Boyer and maybe get us free tickets. <laughs> I don't think you guys have a problem getting tickets. Yeah, right. All right, well, there you have it. Thanks so much. Patrick Manley of the Chicago Bears. Uh, let's plug your website, Twitter. Uh, website. I do have a website called longsnapper.com. Yep, and it's for kids it. out there if they want to learn how to long snap. It's basically basic information to get you started, and then you can interact with me and I can help you out as well. Twitter is at Patrick Manley, uh, real simple. And then Instagram, I think, is like at Manley. I don't even know Instagram. And you can contact Pat. This is this how we met. You spoke at a men's group mm-hmm. on the south side at uh, one of the uh, the Catholic schools. It was like a men's club event. They're, yeah. they're great events. I mean, these guys It's just always party. good when guys come in with coolers and cards and chips. Yeah, right. It's real easy to speak <laughs> to those <is>. guys. <laughs> do you like doing that, the public speaking? I, I do. Not a whole lot. I, I like to pick, you know, where I mean, I guess that sounds bad, but... The, not everything, but I right. do. I do enjoy it for well, the right groups. For I think it's funny because that mar- that circuit is going to fizzle a little bit because mm-hmm. guys make money now. Let's yeah. just be honest. Yeah, and that whole circuit yes, was created right. because guys didn't sure. make a whole lot of money, yes. and then they could do these speaking things in the off season and yes. do things like that. So it's that. great to see someone of your stature come out and do it. That's why I and like to do it for things it. I care about and people I care about and things like yeah. that. Yeah, and you told some funny stories and. No, it was, it was great. Appreciate it. All right, Patrick, thanks so much. Thank you. All right, well, this is why Brad Boron, our producer, is an Emmy winner. This guy just won an Emmy. Congratulations. Yeah. Probably not on this, though. No, no, no. Not for the podcast. <laughs> no, not on this one. It today. wasn't for this. It was not a whole different project. <laughs> but he reminded me that we never went back to the Mike Tice story. So well, let's get that. He kicked okay. you out of the – He did. So I would go to O-line meetings. For my first four years with the Bears, I practiced O-line. I was close to 300 pounds. I was a college O-lineman. Um, so I had to go to meetings because I practiced and was like a scout team guy. And then I enjoyed going in there because the O-line is just – it's a special group, man. They get along. We bond. I told you we had those uh, Thursday, <clears throat> excuse me, Thursday night dinners, and those were fun. So I just continued going throughout my career even after I stopped being like a practice squad guy, a practice, O-line practice guy. But as I got older and we got new O-line coaches would come in, I would kind of tell them, hey, can I come to meetings from you know 840 as soon as we're done with special teams until maybe the second bathroom break you give us, and then I'll go do the old man stuff. Let me go get loose for practice, workout, or whatever, and I, I won't disrupt your meeting. And they're like, sure, no problem. So as time went along and got older, I would attend the meeting at the beginning and maybe leave at the first bathroom break. So Mike Tice came later in my career, I think my 12th year, 13th, I guess maybe my 13th year. And I'm talking to Mike Tice during the off season. Hey, man, I love to come to meetings during the season. Um, I'll sit in the back. I've sat in the same seat. I won't disrupt anything. And I told him my schedule. I like these. Hey, no problem. You can do that. We get to the first mini camp, mandatory mini camp, and I'm like, all right, I'd like to start coming to meetings. Well, practice started at eight o'clock. We didn't have a meeting before that. Before this first day, we were on the practice field. Well, Mike Tice decides to have a seven thirty meeting. And I can't go to the meeting because the first period of, of practice is kicking, and I have to okay. go out there and get loose. Yeah. So I don't show up for that first meeting that I said I was going to be at, but because I, I couldn't because we had practice. We get out of practice. We're during the field goal during field goal drill. About the second kick, Mike Tice, I hear him yelling, "What the heck? You can't even show up to my meetings. You asked to come to my meetings. You don't even show up." Well, I'm like, Coach, you know we have practice. He's ah, whatever. So, he, but he's he's a guy that liked for people to hear his voice. Sure. So he's trying to make a big spectacle of it or whatever. So we get done with practice. The first meeting after lunch, I go sit down on my seat. Been sitting there for 13 years. He starts the meeting about 45 seconds into it. He turns to his left because he's standing in the back of the room, kind of near where I sat. And he goes, what the hell are you doing in here? <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? I, he goes, what are you doing in here? I'm like, I'm at the meeting. He goes, get the bleep out of my meeting. 
Really? I'm like, excuse me? He goes, good. And I thought he was joking because he's kind of a big, jovial, fun yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. He says it about 10 times, get the bleep out of the meeting. And I go, are you serious? He goes, yeah. And I'm looking around at everybody else in the meeting, and they're all sitting in front of me, and all I see is the back of their head looking down at the, uh, at the table in front of them. <laughs> Shaking. I'm like, well, I guess I'm out of here. So I get up, and I, and, I, and I get to the door, and I turn around and go, are you serious? He's like, yeah, get the blank out of here. I was like, all right. So I never went back to meetings after that. And it was actually a blessing in disguise because then I never had to worry about, you know, that extra hour and a half in the morning. Yeah. I could do my old old man stuff, get on the floor <laughs> and stretch and work out. And But he kicked me out of meetings. I was a little upset. I mean, I was there for 13 years. Yeah, right. But I was still able to go to O-line dinners and drink with the guys. And yeah. eat, so that was all right. But uh, he kicked me out of meetings, man. It was, That's just, hilarious. It was a crazy day. I, I just I thought he was joking. He seems like a military style. Like He can be, but he's also a fun guy. He has to be the center of attention. Yeah. Uh, I'll just, I, I don't like him <laughs> obviously because of that. <laughs> he used me as an example as a 13 year veteran for all the other guys in the room. Right. You know that, Hey man, I'm, I'm the guy here. Did you ever have an opportunity to say to him like, dude, I'm, uh, I'm not on this he team. He wasn't worth it. Really? No, that was, but after that, you just don't respect the guy. I don't, I don't. He's a good football coach. He's a very good football coach, but he's I, a jag off. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, mm-hmm. <laughs> you heard it here yeah. on the cycle. <laughs> I might agree. You tell him I said yep. that. All right, I want to ask you a question because uh, I think I came across him on one of the hard knocks because he's jumped mm-hmm. around a lot. Yeah, because he's yes. not likable. He's a piece no, of garbage. He's, he's, he's no, he's a piece of garbage, as you too. said. Total piece of garbage. I just didn't like the way he treated me. <laughs> I didn't like it either. Patrick. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, hard knocks. Is that representative of the? Is it pretty? Is that what camp is like? Yeah, but I think still, guys. Yeah, obviously it's the schedule of camp and all that stuff. But I think some guys act. Yeah, and some guys are guarded. So I don't I feel like think that show's to, gotten worse. It, it used has. to be, it, and, I, it, and I think it's because teams now can have their hand in a little bit and say, "No, take that off." They of control there. access. Yes. Control. yes, or if something they don't want shown. The Chicago Bears. My feeling, my guess is they would never. No, I don't do think that. Virginia McCaskey, George McCaskey, or whatever want that. I, me as a player, I wouldn't want it. You wouldn't because you you can't be yourself. You got cameras around there yeah. all the time. I think it hurts. You know, I talked about earlier in the podcast team building. Yeah, becoming a team it hurts because some guys like they love the camera. Sure. They want to be the focal point for that show for four weeks or five weeks or whatever it is. Trying to promote, yeah. promote their brand. Yeah, self-promote themselves. Their tour, yeah. And then some guys are guarded and they can't be themselves. I don't like it. When you go out for O-line stuff, does a quarterback ever show up? Yeah, treat? they will every now and then. They will every now and then. But their fr- Fridays are a little more uh, mentally tough than an O-lineman, so they can't come out and, and, and partake like yeah. like we could. But the, the one thing that yeah, we got smart finally is realize that Tuesday is always your off day in the NFL. So why do it on Thursday? Move it to Monday night. Yeah, because Tuesday's your off day. So my last couple of years, it was always on Monday night. What was the night after a game? Do you guys blow it out? You oh guys, yeah, everyone go I out would, together. I would. Everybody. Um, go out? I, I was the guy that had the uh, cooler beer in the back of his car. Yeah. So underneath the stadium, like five or six, seven guys would come over and grab a beer or two. We'd talk about the game, and then um, I have a buddy of mine who owns Timothy O'Toole's down in the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got the back room in the back there. His name is Junior Martinez, and. Um, Miller and Kettle One at the end sponsored these little post-game get-togethers. Really? So all the Miller, all the Kettle One you wanted, you just pay for your food and any other drinks, and a lot of guys would bring their uh, family and friends, and we'd all sit back there and have a couple cocktails and go home five or six, some of us a little later. Not, yeah. not in the morning, at night. Right, right, right. A, noon game, <laughs> yeah. a noon game, yeah. You'd go there and kind of wind down a little bit. Do you guys stay at a hotel the night before game? We did. We stayed at the uh, Chicago Hilton Towers on South Michigan, but now they're so my prom was down. To, was that right? Yeah, <laughs> the Fugitive. That's a good place. Oh, that's yeah, it's great. It's a, good, yeah. it's a lot of history in that. We Sox Fest there last couple yes. years ago, right? Couple Cubs, ago. Cubs, Cubs. Not Sox. I don't think we did it there once, didn't we? we yeah, way back. Yeah. Sorry. No, I'm in yeah, but we'd stay in a hotel in the Palmer House now. Yeah, yeah. So, um, final final question, um, and and I want it to be. Let's let me think. I was going to ask you something about uh, partying with these guys or going out. I know we had a big blowout party after the uh, NFC Championship. Yeah. That was a good one. Where yeah, was that went, at? Uh, Timothy O'Toole's and went to Spoon. Oh, yeah. Is that even around anymore? No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it On Wells? I don't remember much, much about it. it. In, I have no it idea where town. it is. Yeah. I have no idea where it is. How the hell did you end up there? I remember there? walking. I think there were stairs, and I remember getting in a cab and getting home and getting yeah. up late the next afternoon. Yeah. And did you always live in the Burbs at that point? Uh, I lived in Wrigleyville for two years, but it's most yeah, most of the time, yeah. I feel like a lot of guys are moving back into the city. Mm-hmm. Some of these, yeah. Well, you got Hallis Hall, so people want to live what near stinks. there. Yeah, it's, you, have to, you, know, you, you just have to be able to get up early. You have to be responsible. Get up early and, and then deal with traffic on the way home. Right. Best steakhouse in Chicago, Oh man, your opinion. Uh, steakhouse. 
Or what's your what are your favorite restaurants? I'll give you my favorite is uh, GT Fish and Oyster. Yeah, that's a good place. That's my favorite. I've got to know the chef pretty well, and yeah. We're going to stay in the city in a couple of weeks, and we'll go by there for sure and eat. But that's my wife and I's favorite. Uh, yeah, Chicago cuts good. I just like—I don't even know if it's the food. The food's great there, but just if you get out there on like a summer afternoon or early summer, summer evening and sit outside, you yeah. can't beat that on the river. Right, it's beautiful. That's just pretty good. Good odor too. That river smells oh, it's so fantastic. good. Yeah, so fantastic. good. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a little yep. extra with Hope Patrick Manley. A little overtime? Uh, yeah. Extra innings? OT. Oh, OT. Yeah, we got a little extra innings. Yeah, a little free baseball. Oh, extra innings. Free yeah, baseball. there you go. Yeah, should be, free, yeah, should be free extra innings. A little free baseball here. A little free baseball. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Patrick. You bet. He gone! He did it! Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best... Stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.